This is Jim Inkster. You are listening to Talk Louisiana, which originates from the Investar Tower building, the building standing tall and proud on Corsi Boulevard in Baton Rouge. And the show is sponsored. The signature sponsor is East Baton Rouge Parish Mayor President Sharon Weston Broom. 877-217-5757 is your number. And emails go to talk at talklouisiana.org. Hope you had a good Mardi Gras. And for those of you who were partying the last few days, we were with you yesterday. But Monday, I want to thank Reverend Steve Crump for his fine job as a guest host. And we are live on Ash Wednesday, which is Valentine's Day. And our guest is the noted political consultant from Top Drawer Strategies, Mary Patricia Ray who, being the good Catholic girl from Columbus, Ohio, has gone to Mass, I can tell, because there is a black mark on her forehead, a cross. <laughs> so, uh, well, you can guess with a name like Mary Patricia, Jim, I at least... Um, at 90%. Least, I'm at least a good cafeteria um, Catholic, and actually, Ash Wednesday is my favorite day in the liturgical calendar. I think it's a really great um, message that is one of the least hypocritical that the Catholic Church peddles at us, and I I love I love Ash Wednesday Mass. I never miss it. Ash Wednesday, ironically, is not a holy day of obligation, though. But many Catholics believe it is, and they go to Mass. And nothing wrong with going to Mass every day, as some do, like Coach Nick Saban of the Alabama Crimson Tide. There's but not absolutely nothing Nick wrong Saban. with it. I think it's a very meditative and um, ritualistic piece of a lot of people's faith, and. Uh, even when I think my church gets it wrong, which is pretty often, um, the ritual of it does kind of center my professional life and my personal life, and I, I'm, I feel blessed to have it. We should all strive to be like um, our Lord above, and some of us view that Lord differently, but some of us who are of the Roman Catholic persuasion believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and this is a big day for Catholics and it is a big day for everybody in the United States. One of the commercial treasures. It's Valentine's Day, and Mary Patricia, if you could <laughs> see her, we don't do her justice. She is in bright red. That's the Georgia Bulldog red you've got oh, on no, today. Oh, no, that's yeah. terrible. I prefer to think of this as, um, that's not as Ohio State Scarlet. Nah, no, that's, that's not Ugh, Scarlet. I can guarantee you it's not in support of the Georgia Bulldogs, though. I can guarantee <laughs> Jim. Well, Ohio State just hired UCLA's coach Chip Kelly as its offensive yep. coordinator, thinking leaving the head coaching job at UCLA to be offensive coordinator at, at the, oh, Ohio State the Ohio University. State University. Sounds University. like a great move to me. A promotion. <laughs> well, we will find out, but uh, UCLA will come to Tiger Town in September. We and have be a lot to prove Chip next Kelly. year, Jim. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'll be I'll be modest for a minute. You know, we had a, a not a great year, and in, in Ohio State football lore, even a, a a not okay year is better than most people's year. But um, yeah, we have we have a lot of work to do for next year. But the coach, unlike Woody Hayes, who you. He was before your time. He well, didn't punch I anybody mean, out. He's part of the legacy, though. You know, I grew up. Um, my parents um, grew up in the in the Woody Hayes mm -hmm. years, and both attended Ohio State. And so, um, yeah, I think Woody is a great model of leadership. Gruff, unapologetic, and as the priest said today at Mass, uh, "Be patient with me. The Lord is still working on me." You know, just an imperfect mm -hmm. person. He was a great student of history, and he was good friends with Richard Nixon, and Nixon eulogized him at, at Woody Hayes' funeral in 1987, and he said, you know, we'd get together, and I'd want to talk football, and he'd want to talk foreign policy. We'd talk foreign policy. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! 
I don't yeah. know. I don't know if uh, Woody Hayes was a great diplomat, but no, he was a he, great he coach. No, he was not. He was not, and uh, he was from another time. He but, was a coach of his own era. But he dominated that time. He won four, four or five, four, I believe, four. national mm-hmm. titles. So he. He did well at Columbus, Ohio, and I go by his house every time I go to Columbus. Yeah. And I've actually been there several times. He cared about Cardiff, his, Cardiff Avenue. He cared about his players quite a bit, and um, I think we could use some more of that in higher education these days and in sports in general. It was before the Imperial Coach. He lived in a, a modest house, beautiful neighborhood, but a modest house, and he lived there from the time he was hired at Ohio State till the day he died. And uh, God bless. Wayne Woodrow Hayes. And, what, you know, back in the day when this when he was under fire, we had phone directories then, and all I did was call directory assistants in Columbus. They gave me his number. I called, and, hello. Oh, <laughs> it, my it, God. It, are it, you it, serious? It was Woody Hayes, the Woody Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You know, Columbus is we, – we've talked about this before on the show, but every time I go home, and I grew up in Troy, Ohio, you know, about an hour drive away, hour and a half – Columbus is just like this example of what Baton Rouge could be, could have been maybe, um, you know, a state capital, a college town. They built some actual loops and some infrastructure around it. And every time I go home, I'm just amazed at the economic development and how um, how they've honored sort of the legacy of different neighborhoods as they've updated them. And and not to say that mm-hmm. they don't have the, the same problems that everyone else has in America and that that, you know, there isn't gentrification and all that, but man, it's just amazing. And it makes me really long for that kind of smart investment in a town like Baton Rouge. Well, and those canvas trips that they took, uh, yeah. they may still be taking them, but yeah. are they doing that anymore? I don't know. I don't think they are, but they went to places like Portland and, and Portland's a great city. I hear I've never been, but it's a great city, uh, but it's not like Baton Rouge, but Columbus, Ohio, you mentioned it, state capital, major university, an industrial feel to it, but it's about two or three and times the size. And some white collar size. businesses, like you know, some 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 um, energy companies and and the like. And I just, man, it just makes me angry every time I'm I'm there that it's almost like we just don't want to win, you know. And not to badmouth mm-hmm. anybody in particular, but like we've got the chamber right now in Baton Rouge spending a million dollars, nine hundred thousand dollars on an ad campaign to attract young professionals to Baton Rouge or convince us all to stay here. When the reason that we can't stay is because they're wasting nine hundred thousand dollars on an ad campaign uh, right. instead well, of funding public schools. I think that calls for a rebuttal, but uh, we would we would welcome. <laughs> well, let's it. have. They're, well, they're well, high, let's about get to hire somebody at the chamber. Of, let's get, get to the, let's get to the news of the day, and we will talk about the crime session. And again, if you'd like to chime in, as you can see, we get off on topics. And if you'd like to get off topic, as long as it's uh, particularly interesting, we'll. Welcome your input at 877-217-5757. Governor Jeff Landry issued this statement about the collapse of the proposed merger between Blue Cross and Elevance. Blue Cross today withdrew from its plan of reorganization in the uh, hearings that were scheduled this week with the Department of Insurance. They're now off, and, and Governor Landry says, from the beginning, we recognize that any transaction such as this would be disruptive to the healthcare landscape of the state. We appreciated the cooperation we received from both parties, our commissioner of insurance and the legislature in both asking tough questions, looking for solutions and providing answers so that the policyholders could make an informed decision and the state would be prepared if such a transaction occurred. That's from Governor Jeff Landry. So this is off. 
affects 1.9 million policyholders in a state with 4.7 million residents. It's a big story, Mary Patricia. Yep. This thing, whew, what a political quagmire from the beginning. And, and you know, I think everybody has their own theories about why it's failed twice and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think ultimately, as the political consultant in the room, I have to say it failed because the very wrong people were the face of this thing from the beginning. And who were they? Um, well, you know, you, you've got people like Tim Barfield leading the effort on this. And I think just politically a little rudderless, um, you saw a lot of jindal people at the helm of this whole concept. And that made a lot of, and you know, I see, I see the world in terms of tribes, political tribes, Jim. And so there's the jindal tribe, which isn't faring well right now. No. And that made the Vitter tribe very nervous. You'll remember that governor Landry wasn't real excited about this deal. You're, a, you're putting him in the Vitter tribe? Oh, 100%. Um, 100%. And I don't mean that he is the the legacy of, of, of David Vitter. I mean that the people around him um, are very much aligned with that with that uh, political legacy. And and those two tribes often clash. And you, you see that right now with the Garrett Graveses of the world mm-hmm. is very much part of the Jindal well, vibe. Well, it is, it is interesting, and people might be surprised to hear me say this, but uh, I think Vitter was a far more pragmatic person than Jindal. I think he is. And, and I think that's is, the yeah. reason you see Bobby Jindal sort of like this maybe seventh in line to be the Republican nominee for president and David Vitter, a very serious um, lobbyist doing real actual policy work in Louisiana around our ports and other things. I mean, that pragmatism is a, a symptom of actually wanting real solutions rather than wanting to run for president. And I think that's what you see in the Vitter tribe versus the Jindal tribe is <laughs> a lot less egomaniacal maneuvering in my personal opinion. Um, but it just, it really messed things up from the very beginning of the deal. And it was very hard to save. And then they kept on trying to do some political maneuvering and they were looking for a political savior. They were looking for a governor who would support it or a commissioner of administration who would really get out front and who wanted to get out in front of that train by the time it left the station. Nobody. Um, I, I do, I do actually think, and I'm going to say this on the air that there was some merit to the potential um, that the deal had for the policyholders, some, but the problem was messaging that from a political perspective became impossible. And I actually think that this, the vote would have eventually failed anyways. 877-217-5757 and talk at talklouisiana.org. We're back with Mary Patricia Ray in 89.3 seconds. This is Jim Inkster. Thank you for being with us for Talk Louisiana. Robin Dow producing. Mary Patricia Ray with us for a bit longer. Your number, 877-217-5757. We are, of course, uh, digesting the news of the day that the Blue Cross Elevans merger is off, but Governor Landry is preparing for a special session to start Monday on crime. 16-day session if it goes to the finish line. And much of the agenda is devoted to undoing many of the policies John Bell Edwards put in place to shrink overcrowded prison populations and support alternatives to incarceration. Let's go to Scott in Central. Scott, you're on Talk Louisiana with Mary Patricia Ray. Hey, good morning. Um, Considering um, 
the behavior of uh, Tuberville, Senator Tuberville, and uh, Ron Johnson, Mike Johnson. You know, they, they seem to be behaving in a way that favors Putin and Russia more than the United States. Uh, should there be an investigation into dark money, uh, where that money is coming from? Well, Jim, I mean, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm a fan of dark money um, because I think you can do you can bring a lot into the light with dark money. And I often do that. I do think that campaign finance regulations are really important, but that whatever rules you set up, I will I will as a political consultant, I will follow those rules. And you still as a citizen aren't going to be happy mm-hmm. with with the disclosure um, and what you can tell from the disclosure. Well, the Senate yesterday voted 70 to 29 for a $95 billion foreign aid package, which includes aid to Ukraine. And both Louisiana senators, and and I commend them for their votes, Kennedy and Cassidy voted with the majority, but they voted in a minority in their own party. And their own party is tied to former President Trump, who wants no success for Joe Biden and obviously has uh, a connection with Vladimir Putin uh, and one of his acolytes, Senator J.D. Vance, your senator from Ohio, Gross. says of the vote, it stinks <laughs> to high heaven. No one who watched this process unfold believes Republican leadership negotiated in good faith for border security or that the Democrats did the same. It was always kabuki theater. Now, Mitch McConnell steered this through. And now the House has to take it up, or or they don't have to take it up, and they may not, but uh, it's in the hands of the Speaker, James Michael Johnson, the pride of Benton, Louisiana. What's he going to do, Mary Patricia? Well, I hope he's going to disassociate himself from people like J.D. Vance, whose own own book, by the way, which is atrocious, an atrocious account of what life in Appalachia is really like, wouldn't even put his own mother up in his home. Um, when she was drug addled, he he put her in quote a seedy hotel. He he says he took her to a seedy motel. Um, so these are the kinds of people whose opinions should not matter in American politics. I'm really proud of our senators and the vote. I don't know how um, mm-hmm. Speaker Johnson is going to navigate this, um, but I think actually I'll say this: I think Speaker Johnson has done a really good job of threading a needle. Though people are saying that he kind of is out of favor with his own party, maybe that's because he's doing the right thing. And we should give him a little bit more wiggle room to keep doing it. Yeah, but he brought a vote up last week and he didn't have the votes, which is a a big mistake. Some might call a rookie mistake. I bet he won't do it again. And then last night uh, in New York, uh, the Republicans officially lost George Santos' seat. Yeah. Uh, And and it wasn't as close as some predicted. Uh, They they ran a candidate they really liked, but uh, they did not win. Uh, the Democrats I've heard various a, pronunciations of this. Is, is Swozy? Is that the way he yeah. pronounces his name? Tom Swozy. He won the third district, and uh, with uh, almost all the votes in, he's got almost fifty-four percent. He ran a very moderate 54. line on immigration, and I think that we need to really watch how Democrats' message on this. A lot of concerns about um, jobs in that district being quote taken by immigrants and. Um, you know, just not lockstep with the Biden administration or really the people who are think that we should be doing more immigration. And I think Democrats are going to have to figure out how to properly continue to message on immigration for their own, meet their voters where they are if they want to keep winning. 877-217-5757. David in Atlanta, you're on Talk Louisiana. Good morning, David. 
Hi, good morning. Before I get to my topic, I heard Tuberville name mentioned. Did you all bring up what was said on MSNBC earlier this morning? Tuberville was quoted as saying yesterday, quote, Vladimir Putin is at the top of his game, unquote. Now, I'm flabbergasted. This is this is like in World War II saying uh, Tojo is at the top of his game when he t- attacked Pearl Harbor. Uh, but anyway, there was an article in the New York Times yesterday. There's an abundance of wildfires all over the planet, and it affected Louisiana. And those wildfires, due to human-caused climate change, are sending tiny particles into the air, and they can travel very long distances. That's extremely hazardous to people's health. It can cause heart attacks, lung disease, cancer, uh, strokes. And the Republicans like Trump, they want to do away or not promote uh, green energy and climate uh, electric vehicles, which it takes less fossil fuels to generate electricity. for. All right. Well, uh, climate change is an issue. Uh, and I think perhaps for Louisiana, the biggest issue, David, I'll concede that. I was going to say, if I want to get cancer, I'll just go to the river parishes. Well, they dispute as far as the actual cancer alley uh, uh, mantra. But uh, we do live in a, a state with uh, a heavy dependence on the chemical industry and those emissions, uh, there's some question is how much damage they do, but they're not doing any good as far as our health, but they do provide a source of uh, sustenance for our troubled economy in Louisiana. And um, to get back to Tuberville and saying that um, that Putin's at the top of his game, I, I remember the, the lyrics from Sympathy for the Devil, pleased to meet you, hope you guessed my name, but what's puzzling you is the nature of my game. <laughs> Well, what is Putin's game? He may be at the top of that game, but it's a dangerous game. Um, he's skating on a razor's edge with his own people. Um, and if your game is uh, being a dictator, I guess he's winning at that right now. Well, and he's got a lot of uh, people in Congress who are... Uh, on his side in this war against Ukraine that he started. So there we go. 877-217-5757 for Mary Patricia Ray. Now to the crime session that we uh, originally planned to spend most of our time with Mary Patricia. What do you think of Jeff Landry uh, and his move to thwart crime, which I think is a noble endeavor, but he believes his predecessor was off track And this has prompted uh, Mandy Landry, who also is no fan of John Bell Edwards for different reasons. Uh, She says of the proposals that are up for uh, discussion in this session, each one is worse than the one before. This is really, really bad. It makes my stomach hurt. We want as many people in prison as possible, and we want them to stay there forever, including children. What do you make of it? I think that's a um, a losing argument right now um, respectfully for representative Landry to make to the people of Louisiana. And my criticism of the call for this regular session would be rooted in things that I think the people of Louisiana will remember and can understand. Um, In 2017, we passed a package of 10 bills to try to make Louisiana no longer number one in incarceration, but that was based on the recommendations that came from us from to us from a nonpartisan um, study, mostly done by the Pew foundation And the majority of those recommendations that were made in 2017 were actually never legislated. So right now, we've got people trying to tell us that our crime is up because of those 10 bills and we need to undo them. Those 10 bills never even addressed violent crime. Everything we did in 2017 was about making sure low-level offenders didn't spend the rest of their life in prison or a long enough time that they would become repeat offenders. 
We never addressed fines and fees, keeping people in a cycle of committing mm -hmm. crime. That was one of the number one recommendations and the number one reason that we have so much crime in Louisiana. And I'd love to talk more about it to anybody who has time is our non-unified court system. We cannot fund our courts properly, and therefore we rely on fines and fees. Those fines and fees drive people not having driver's licenses, not having insurance, becoming poorer and committing more crime, living a life of criminality, selling drugs and doing all these things, stealing cars. Th that is what is driving crime in Louisiana, and nothing, absolutely nothing that is on this call will reduce recidivism with the exception of maybe two items that I, I'd love to talk more about. Too. All right. Well, we will uh, talk a bit more about the crime session. And remember back in 2017 when Governor Edwards got his crime package through, which did let uh, many of these low-level offenders like people in jail for life for marijuana possession, they, they got uh, a key to freedom. That was supported, his endeavor, by David Bruce Vitter and by Donald John Trump. 877-217-5757 is your number. We're back with Mary Patricia Ray after this timeout. This is Jim Inkster, and you are listening to Talk Louisiana. A few more minutes with Mary Patricia Ray. Your number is 877-217-5757. And we're talking about various matters of importance. And the special session on crime starts Monday. What about uh, the governor, the current governor's attempt to keep habitual offenders off the streets? Is, is there something in the offing that will be productive on that front? Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that Louisiana's habitual offender law, kind of like our three strikes law, actually ends up incarcerating people on very low level offenses for the rest of their life without the possibility of parole. And the main aims of this special session are to continue that trend, which is very expensive it does not actually prevent crime because we're talking about people that maybe have like some theft, some property crime, some whatever, and then their third offense will be like a low-level drug possession charge, and they get locked up for the rest of their life. We never addressed that during the John Bell Edwards years, and it's a very um, expensive and unnecessary um, approach. But now this special session is going to pile some more problems on top of that. It's going to take away good time, meaning if you've earned time prior to conviction or otherwise – you don't serve as long a sentence. That costs a lot of money to, to take away. Um, we're now going to be executing people, apparently, if the if the bill passes that Representative Mascarello has, um, has uh, brought up. We're going to be uh, executing people via alternative means. That's going to cost money. Um, we're going to maybe entice DAs into prosecuting more capital cases mm -hmm. again, which costs 10, it costs $10 million dollars to carry out one execution in the state of Louisiana. I mean, it's a very, this session is going to be so expensive to carry out in perpetuity if we pass all these pieces of legislation. And ultimately, every single study will tell you that it's not going to reduce crime in the short or long term. So people that are afraid of their car being stolen, people that are afraid, I, I get it. What we need actually is some some accountability for district attorneys. And I agree with that, but I think some of the bills that are being suggested in this session don't put any onus on on district attorneys to do more for victims and survivors of crime um, and instead are going to create more victims and survivors of crime. And Governor Landry should be with us next week, next Friday the 23rd, if things go according to plan, to talk about this. So it will be fascinating to hear his take and We've got, we've got uh, he, one is, item. he is a man, I think, of good intentions on we've, this. But we've we'll got good items on like 
third degree rape, we're going to make it so that if you have new evidence that you were raped, that's video based, you know, you'll be able to extend the, the prosecutorial time period. I think that's great. We've got one that's going to make Louisiana no longer an outlier on DWIs and how we deal with those. That's, that's wonderful. Those are, those are great items. And in fact, I'm very um, thankful to the administration for keeping an open door and continuing to talk to many of my clients that oppose what he's doing in this session and considering adding items like that to the call. Um, I think we're not going to pass all these items. It's a big, it's going to be a big political lift for the governor. Rinaldi, Rinaldi in Sherwood. Hello, you're on Talk Louisiana. Hey, thank you very much for taking my call. I'll try to be brief. I wanted to say that crime is not a problem here in Baton Rouge, irregardless of what everyone thinks. Crime is your headache, your cough, your fever. It's a symptom of other issues. If the governor took time and focused on creating more economic opportunities, to put finance and resources in people's pockets where they had the opportunity to be able to live their life without having to commit crime, it would be a much better use of our time and resources and, and not having to deal with some of these fallacies. The, the truth of the matter is this, Jim. Police are not here to protect you and serve you unless you're in their custody. The Supreme Court had a ruling on this that police are no longer at any point obligated to protect you unless you're in their company and their custody. So if you're not detained or you're not arrested, they don't have to even protect you per the Supreme Court. All right. Well, Rinaldi, I'm sure uh, what you've said will uh, be discussed at the session. We're going to try to weave through as many of you as we can in our remaining time. We are short. Let's go to James and Metairie. James, quickly, you're on Talk Louisiana. Well, well, good morning, Jim, and to your guest. Uh, I, I'm sorry. In the international scene, Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. His troops are war criminals. They're, they're bombing hospitals and schools and, and residential buildings. Yet we have Republicans who are now backing Donald Trump, especially Tommy Tuberville. Trump's remarks about encouraging Russia to do whatever the hell they want. What is wrong with America? All right. Well, Trump uh, has threatened to get out of NATO, and uh, some say, oh, that's just him bloviating, but... Oh, no, I think he's happen. serious. Yeah, well, and, and, <laughs> and right now, if the election were today, were today, despite being uh, indicted in four venues, 91 counts, Trump would be the likely winner. But there's a long way between February and November. Uh, in reality, not so long, but in truth, I remember in June of... 1988, Michael Dukakis led George Bush by 27 points, and Bush ended up winning 40 states. So things can happen, and we'll see where it goes. But it does look like we're headed for a rematch between the two geriatric uh, leaders of their respective parties. Kevin in North Baton Rouge. Kevin, good morning. You're on Talk Louisiana. Oh, yes. I wanted to say about, like the guy said, about like what's going on in Israel right now. And all of that, and the Republicans, all they want to do is just lock people up, lock people up in Louisiana. All the jobs, and like we were talking about yesterday, the sports and all that we have in Louisiana. Why we can't give people jobs like you did during the flood, but no crimes over here. They had all kinds of people doing different jobs. All right, well. I love I love that point and that like most of your callers, Jim, you know, like they're focused on really big like national security. Like they're worried about real safety issues that we have as Americans. And we are going to do this like really expensive session with bills that cost a lot of money in perpetuity because a few politicians think that they'll get credit um, for it when it comes to reelection time um, or because they have one or two constituents pushing them to do a state sanctioned murder of a person that killed their loved one. 
And, and so it, it does kind of demonstrate that what's on people's minds is low level crime, things like stealing cars and drug sales. And, and this session really doesn't do a lot to address that. The biggest loser in this whole session being children, um, children who are not yet adults, uh, committing crimes and, and how we're going to prosecute them going forward is going to make sure that they are criminals for life. If we pass some of this legislation that the governor and, and other legislators want us to pass, um, as a mother who's trying to raise two sons in the state, it really bothers me. And it worries me on a personal level, um, what we're going to do to young people in this legislative session. Um, and I'm worried about how distracted everyone in the state is. No one's paying attention. We're going to rush all this through in a couple weeks. Um, while people are calling into your show about Israel, we're going to set ourselves up for about 30 years of really expensive um, anti-reforms, build those reforms. All right. We've got time for one more caller for Mary Patricia Ray. And Robin Dow is steering me to Stewart downtown. Stewart, you're on Talk Louisiana. Why, thank you, Jim. Uh, Mary, your audience, good morning. Mary, um, you too, Jim. With the public school system being the largest entity in this country that interacts with uh, children who wind up being criminals, uh, I'm a very long advocate of, of, of uh, the school system should be building leadership uh, in these children because being a part of a very successful leadership organization years ago, the Young Leaders Academy here in Louisiana, that turned many of these children around and built leadership in them and uh, made uh, education and knowledge, uh, uh, validated them through education. Um, our public school system is failing. All right. He's not a fan well, of public he, schools. You know, you know, well, I think he is a fan of public schools, but he's not a fan of people who are making them into failures. And, and you know, no one in Baton Rouge agrees that our school district is failing more than me, Jim, a couple pending legal matters against them. Uh, but yeah, and there's nothing on the agenda for our special session that would remotely address crime 10 years from now in, in the, in the form of supporting children who do not have support. Um, I like many was disappointed to see the administration's decision on, um, on food support for poor children and families. And I'm advocating strongly that the department of child and family services, um, reverse their decision to deprive hungry families of food, um, regardless of their excuses about federal money and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that is a Lenten, um, a Lenten take back that the governor should consider. And I hope if he hears anything I say this morning, that's what he takes away. Well, thank you, Mary Patricia Ray. Always good to catch up with you. Very and, good to catch uh, up with you too. Hope uh, Lent goes well and, for and you. And happy Valentine's Day, Jim. Happy Valentine's. You look the part. Griffin Rogers is with us. Dr. Rogers is the director of the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. And he is a physician scientist, studies diseases of bone marrow, best known for his work on the molecular genetics uh, uh, front and on developing a treatment for sickle cell anemia. So he is a man of consequence, and he is here to talk about his role as the head of the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. And good morning to you, Dr. Rogers. Good morning, Mr. Inkster. Thanks for having me on uh, your show. Well, it is a pleasure to talk with you, and, and this is related largely, many of these maladies, to kidneys. And this is a month, I, I believe, we're either in the month or we're about to be National Kidney Month. But at any rate, 
Uh, our kidneys are essential to our vitality. It's one of those things that uh, determines whether or not we live long lives and good lives. What is What exactly do kidneys do for us? Well, as you indicate, the kidneys are, are very vital. They're often, unfortunately, forgotten organs uh, with respect to knowledge and awareness. And that's why March uh, is National Kidney Awareness Month. The kidneys are roughly uh, the size of your fisk. And we have two kidneys. They're located in your back, just underneath your rib cage. They're important for filtering waste products that are in your blood. Uh, and, uh, and, and eliminating them in your urine. And they're also important for balancing your fluid levels, your uh, m- mineral uh, and electrolyte uh, uh, content of the blood as well. In fact, you know, your kidneys filter about a half a cup of blood every minute. That's 150 quarts of blood each day. So they really are workhorses uh, in, in, the, in the scheme of things. All right. Well, we do have to take a short break, but we will return with Dr. Griffin Rogers. And we're headed for March, which is National Kidney Awareness Month. And we'll talk more about this important organ that we are dealing with. This is Jim Inkster, and you are listening to Talk Louisiana. Your number is 877-217-5757. Dr. Griffin Rogers is at the ready. If you would like to give him a ring, he is, as stated, a person of renown. He is the person who heads uh, the National Association, uh, the National uh, uh, Organization that deals with kidney function. And next month is... Kidney Awareness Month. Now, about one of seven of us will develop some sort of kidney disease, and 90% of the people who have kidney disease do not know it. What's the best way to make sure our kidneys are healthy, to, to, to make us aware of whether we have a problem or not, Dr. Rogers? Sure. Well, awareness is so important that we really want your listeners to know that if you're at risk for kidney disease, that you should be tested. How, how would I know if I'm at risk? Where if you have high blood pressure, or if you have diabetes, and unfortunately, residents of Louisiana rank in the top 10 within the country of having a high prevalence of high blood pressure and diabetes, then you're at risk of, of having kidney disease. Uh, if you have a family history of kidney disease that runs again in the family, um, you're at risk. If you have heart disease, uh, you're at risk. So how do you know whether you have it? Well, you ask your healthcare provider whether you've been tested for it, and if you haven't been tested for it, then can I be tested for it? The tests are quite simple. It's a urine test and a blood test. The blood test determines how well your kidneys are filtering uh, out these products, uh, waste products, and the urine test determines whether you're spilling any protein in your urine, uh, and that is also an indication that the filtering function of your kidneys may be uh, uh, not up to snuff. Uh, if that's the case, then your healthcare provider will put you on a path to try to prevent that chronic kidney disease to progressing the end-stage kidney disease, which of course would require either dialysis or a transplant to uh, sustain life. Dr. Griffin Rogers, director of the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. Now, 
we should be checked to see if we have an, uh, uh, some sort of an issue. And, and a urine test will do it. A blood test will do it. Uh, do most people not do it? Or, or are we getting more uh, cautious and perhaps more uh, reactive to what potentially could be a problem? Yeah, well, I, I think the you know the really the problem is that it is a silent disease. Just think about it. If you're in good shape and your blood tests are completely normal, you could donate one of your kidneys to a friend or family member who may be suffering with end stage kidney disease. And it's not until that remaining kidney loses about half of its function before you'll begin to develop any symptoms. So you can see that. Um, Kidney disease is often called the, the silent disease, and, and that's why in the month of March, we'd like to raise awareness of the importance of what kidneys do, but also how to be tested if you're at risk for developing kidney disease. What are some of the no-nos as far as things that we do that would affect our kidneys adversely? Well, a couple of things that, uh, that, that can occur, of course, you know, a lot of exercise uh, um, in, in humid, hot environments and getting dehydrated can contribute to, uh, you know, some uh, kidney problems. Also taking certain over-the-counter medications like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs for longer periods of time uh, than is uh, recommended and at higher doses than it recommended can also uh, contribute uh, to uh, kidney damage. On the flip side, the things that one can do that improve kidney uh, health and general health as well, for most adults, getting some physical activity, 30 minutes of physical activity five to seven times a week, uh, a week uh, can protect the kidneys. Uh, uh, choosing healthier food choices, uh, like avoiding foods that have a high salt or sugar content, and choosing uh, as alternative fresh fruits and vegetables and uh, low-fat uh, uh, dairy products and, or uh, non-sugar-sweetened beverages uh, are important. And getting an adequate amount of sleep, and for most adults, that's seven to eight hours of sleep you know, per night. Sleeping of this at this uh, time period can not only improve your physical health, but your mental health as well. And uh, studies now show that it keeps your blood pressure and your blood sugar, uh, if you tend to be hypertensive or diabetic, uh, at, uh, at more normal uh, values. So I can't overemphasize the importance of sleep. And then finally, if you smoke, uh, stop smoking. Uh, particularly if you have kidney disease, because that can further exacerbate your uh, kidney uh, uh, function uh, and uh, prevent your kidneys from filtering uh, as it should. Uh, Robin, I think we have time for one caller. You pick the caller, and uh, we'll go to Paul in Opelousas. Paul, please be concise. You're on with Dr. Griffin Rogers. Uh, Dr. Rogers, quick question. What is the best diet for not even allowing the... uh the, the, the filtration to get so high. What about uh, the best diet? Um, what what are the yeah. foods that are good for us? Yeah, uh, actually, that's a good question. That's one of the things that uh, that that I mentioned earlier. Uh, having fresh fruits and vegetables, a uh, low uh, fat diet, um, uh, foods that mm -hmm. uh, are not processed or heavily processed, and foods 
with lower contents of salt and uh, and sugar. If you go on the, our website, www.niddk.gov, or .nih.gov, and type in DASH, D-A-S-H, diet, it's a form of a Mediterranean diet, uh, which really has a lot of benefits with respect to blood pressure uh, and kidney disease uh, progression. So that's one of the things that, that you can look up, the DASH diet. Well, it's a pleasure to visit with Dr. Griffin P. Rogers, director of the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases, a post he's held for 18 years, graduate of Brown University and John Hop- Johns Hopkins University. Sharp guy. Thank you, Dr. Rogers. Okay. Uh, and thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate you sharing this information with, with uh, people in Baton Rouge and the state in general. That's the deal. Let's talk again. And before we leave, Dr. Rogers is joining us uh, today from Washington, D.C., and that's where Bob Edwards called home, the home of NPR. And for 24 and a half years, he was the morning edition host. He also was for five years the host of All Things Considered in the early 1970s with Susan Stamberg. But he died uh, 20 years after he was given the gate at NPR. At the age of 56, he died Saturday. He continued in media. He was on satellite radio and did some fascinating interviews during his tenure there, as he did for many, many years on NPR. And through the year, we'll remember him again and again, I'm sure. But Robin Dow has pulled an interview we did from 2019 when they were celebrating the 40th anniversary of Morning Edition, almost 15 years after Bob Edwards had left. And he commented on many of the great interviews he had done on that program. Well, you know, there were presidents and prime ministers and all of that, and it's great to be in the Oval Office talking to a president. But I remember some others that, uh, I don't know, they just make me smile. Uh, I interviewed Thor Heyerdahl. I mean, Uh Contiki, you know, that's... (laughs) That's one of a kind, you know, and a guy named Norman Borlaug, who nobody knows, but he invented miracle wheat and saved India and Pakistan from starvation, was a Nobel Prize winner. And, you know, it's those kind of interviews that I I treasure because, I don't know, because they aren't fabulously notorious, notorious, infamous, famous, whatever, Um, but, you know, maybe... The, the guy next to me didn't interview those people, so I got one up on him. There you go. You also interviewed Chris Christopherson and Dolly Parton. Oh, my. Oh, Dolly, you cannot do a bad interview with Dolly. You could take, you know, an intern, his or her first day in your studio, and they could do a brilliant interview with Dolly because she's just a joy. You know, she says things like, um, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. You know, she's... <laughs> she's <laughs> Such a great businesswoman. She has. She's so smart, and and you know plays dumb for her act, but uh, she's brilliant, really. And and what a talent! Still, after all these years, you were on the air for nine eleven as well. Uh, that had to be a day like no other. Oh my God! Um, yeah, there's no script there. You're just flying by the seat of your pants, and um, and it was. Uh, a very trying day. People still say to me, um, compliment me on, on how calm I was. And, and I think it had nothing to do with me. I think it had to do with the fact that television 
kept showing those pictures of planes hitting buildings and exploding, and, you know, they couldn't help themselves. It's riveting videotape, and they had to show it again and again and again. And I think it assaulted people's senses. We in public radio, we had no videotape, so we couldn't be doing that. We were talking about, you know, what is Al-Qaeda, you know, what, what does this do to... Uh, relations in the Middle East, we uh, immediately got into profiling and, and people turn on uh, uh, anyone who looked Arabic. Uh, lots of questions to be asking at that moment. And, and we've got to go today, but we will hear more from Bob Edwards this year, which turned out to be the year of his departure. 1947 to 2024, a great broadcaster and a great American, Robert Allen Edwards. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. Happy Valentine's Day. Stay safe. Stay tuned.